0: The Zoras serve Hyrule's royal family by protecting this water source. Their door will not open for anyone except those who have some connection to the royal family. This week on Legendary Adventures we travel to Zora's Domain, but only after we seek happiness by selling masks and meet a few great fairies. After completing Dodongo's Cavern, players are directed to the top of Death Mountain to meet a Great Fairy. A pathway up the mountain beyond Goron City is blocked by large boulders. Players have to use their newly acquired bombs to clear the path and ascend the mountain. It's hard locked, so players can't ascend to the Great Fairy until the game points them in that direction. As they climb, players will find boulders rain down from above and a callback to the Death Mountain locations from both the original game and A Link to the Past. They will also have to clear Waltilus from a cliffside to climb to the top. Another bomb is needed to open the Great Fairy's Fountain. Inside is the Great Fairy of Power. She will grant Link a more powerful spin attack. It uses magic power to unleash a wave of energy during the spin. The Great Fairy points Link to the location of another Great Fairy near the castle. Just beyond the front gate of the castle, players can bomb another boulder to enter the Fountain of the Great Fairy of Magic. She gives Link a magic spell. Magic spells in Ocarina of Time work the same way as spells on A Link to the Past. Players will need to equip an item, in this case a crystal, to use the spell. Each spell costs magic to use, so keep an eye on your magic meter. The spell that we get here is Din's Fire. It will be required much later in the game, but for now it's just for fun. It sends out a wave of fire in all directions. It can be used to burn enemies and light torches. I went ahead and took time here to complete the first three steps of the Happy Mask Shop side quest. The quest does not become available until players talk to the Gatekeeper at the base of Death Mountain. And curiously, players cannot complete the quest until the first three dungeons are completed. Here's how it works. Players acquire a mask from the Happy Mask Shop. They must then find a character who wants that mask. The character will buy the mask from Link. Players then return to the mask shop and pay for it to get the next mask in the sequence. The first mask is the Keaton mask. It's gold in color and depicts a fox-like face. The Death Mountain Gate Guard mentioned wanting a mask from the Happy Mask Shop, and he's the first customer. He claims it's for his kid, but he pays 15 rupees for the 10 rupee mask and immediately puts it on himself. Players net a 5 rupee profit. The second mask is the Skull Mask. This mask goes to the Skull Kid. He's found just inside the Lost Woods. The players head left from the entrance, they will find a clearing with a flute-playing forest dweller on a tree stump. You first need to stand on a stump opposite of him and befriend him by playing Soraya's song. Once you're friends, he gives you a piece of heart. Then, when speaking to the Skull Kid, he mentions that his face is too ordinary. He takes a liking to the Skull Mask, saying it will make him appear more unusual. He pays only 10 rupees for the 20 rupee mask. Link loses money on this sale. The third mask is the Spooky Mask. It promises to scare many people. Inside the Kakariko graveyard, players will meet a young boy who idolizes Dampe the Gravekeeper. He hangs around the graveyard all day long. He buys the mask saying it'll make him just like Dampe and pays the full 30 rupees. The final mask in the sequence is the bunny hood. Strangely, the character that we need to make the sale doesn't even appear until after we complete the third dungeon, so we'll have to save the last for next week. Now on to Zora's Domain. It's located south of Kakariko Village and east of Kokiri Forest. Boulders block the entrance to the river, meaning this place is hard-locked until players acquire the bombs from Dodongo's cavern. The owl greets players at the entrance. He tells Link the only way into Zora's domain is to let them hear the melody of the royal family. As players head up the river, they will meet a salesman who sells magic beans. The price for the beans will increase with each sell. The salesman claims it's due to increased popularity, though we can plainly see we're the only ones buying. These beans can be planted in soft soil, and they will come in use in the second act of the game. Players will eventually reach the Sleepless Waterfall. This is where the progression upriver stops. If players need an additional hint on how to move forward, there's a plaque on the ground, which reads, The flow of this waterfall serves the King of Hyrule. When the King slumbers, so too do these falls. This should be the hint that you need to play Zelda's Lullaby, revealing the entrance to Zora's Domain. As with Kakariko Village and Goron City before it, Zoro's Domain is a highly vertical space. I also distinctly recall that this is the point where I got stuck on my first full playthrough of the game. I didn't play through the game in its entirety until I got it for the GameCube. I didn't own a Nintendo 64 during its heyday, and so my only experience playing Ocarina of Time before then was when I was visiting a friend's house or a cousin's house, and the furthest I ever got was Dodongo's Cavern. When I played the game, I wasn't able just to talk to my friends to find solutions. They had all moved on by that point, and I remember not being sure how to progress. And I know I've heard a few other people say they got stuck here too. So let's talk a little bit about how players are supposed to know what they need to do to reach the next dungeon. The hints are there, it just requires players to do a lot of talking and a little exploring to find them. At the top of the domain, players will find King Zora, who says that his daughter Princess Ruto is missing. Ruto, it should be noted, is yet another character named for a Zeltitude town. The town of Ruto is located in the first region of that game, in the mountains north and west of North Castle. At the bottom of the domain, there are Zoras who explain that they are master divers. And they say if Link wants to become a master diver, he should play the diving game at the top of the waterfall. With this, players should be able to piece together that they are intended to play the diving game at the top of Zora's domain. The game master throws rupees in the water and players must dive in and grab them. If they grab them all within a time limit, they're awarded a Silver Scale, which allows them to dive deeper than they could before. Players will also find hints that Ruto prepared meals for Lord Jabu Jabu, and that the water from Zora's domain flows through Hyrule and terminates at Lake Hylia. There's also a Zora who will ask Link if he's visited Jabu Jabu, and players are given an option to say yes or no. If you pick no, he tells Link that he should meet Lord Jabu Jabu, the resident deity, but only the king grants permission to pass. I didn't do this on my playthrough, but I later learned that if you do select Yes, it will tell Link that offering a fish to Jabu Jabu is said to bring happiness. A door is visible beneath the water in the lower pool of the domain. It can only be reached once players have the Silver Scale. Diving through the door, players will find themselves in Lake Hylia. Azora asks Link if he notices anything strange in the lake. A bottle is visible on the bottom. Grabbing the bottle reveals a note inside. The note is from Princess Ruto. It reads, Help me, I'm waiting for you inside Lord Jabu Jabu's belly. Ruto. P.S. Don't tell my father. So what are you to do? We'll immediately run to Ruto's father to tattle, of course. After showing him the letter, King Zora tasks Link with rescuing his daughter, and then moves aside allowing him access to Lord Jabu Jabu. <laughs> As the path opens, it feels like it's intended to maybe be comedic, but it also feels like the developers are just trolling as King Zora slowly waddles out of the way. So, we got hints about preparing meals for Lord Jabu Jabu, And if players answered yes to that one Zora earlier, they should know about offering a fish to Jabu Jabu. At the bottom of Zora's domain, there is a shop that sells fish. There is a Zora inside the shop who says that fish can be caught outside. Players can either buy a fish in the shop or they can do what I did and just go outside and catch one in one of their bottles. Lord Jabu Jabu itself is a giant fish. There is a sandbar that leads to a small patch of land behind the deity. There is a boulder just asking to be blown up and blowing it up will reveal a cave. Inside, players will find the Great Fairy of Magic. The fairy gifts another magic spell to Link, Feror’s Wind. This magic allows players to set a warp point within a dungeon, allowing them to quickly return to a previous location. Only a single warp point can be placed, and it will disappear after a single use. Prior to this playthrough, I honestly can't remember using this spell even once, I did try to make a point of it while playing through this podcast. I ended up not using it much at all. I don't find it very useful, but I'm sure someone could make good use of it. Offering a fish to Lord Jabu Jabu causes the great fish to open its mouth and inhale Link, leading to the third dungeon of the game, inside Jabu Jabu's belly. The music in the dungeon is held together by a steady beat and slow strings. It's punctuated by bodily sounds that sound like belching or indigestion. There's no melody to latch onto which according to Koji Kondo is in line with the direction he was given. This dungeon is frankly kind of gross. We're inside a living creature. The walls are made of pulsating flesh, the doors all look like valves, There are gas bubbles and bile-colored water. There's also strange enemies, including jellyfish and stingrays. Many of the enemies are electrified and will shock link. The dungeon spans two floors, and it only vaguely resembles the fish we're supposed to be inside. Players begin in the mouth. Immediately following is the throat, which contains an elevator connecting the two floors, with two wings coming off each side representing fins. The central section of the first floor represents the body, and then there's an area in the back with multiple forks that resembles a tail. The lower level represents the digestive tract, with the main room being the stomach. There's liquid on these lower floors representing bodily fluid and potentially digestive enzymes. This is the third dungeon in a row not to feature any keys, Ageo Onuma said. Link is still young, making it difficult for him to acquire so many keys. Besides, it would be a little weird if you needed keys on the inside of a fish, so we ended up finding other methods to use inside the living dungeons. The dungeon largely boils down to an extended escort mission. It also continues the trend of leaning into the 3D design of spaces. There are switches on ceilings that must be shot with a slingshot, and holes that players must use to drop from the first floor to the basement floor below. The section divisions of the dungeons are less clear than it was in, say, the Great Deku Tree, and the goal of the dungeons less clear than it was in, say, Dodongo's Cavern. Players are ultimately trying to get into the east fin where the boss is. Again, none of this is clearly outlined to the players, but they will find that that is the goal as they proceed through the dungeon. In the third room from the entrance, the body room above the Stomach, players will encounter Princess Ruto. She rebuffs Link's help at first, and then dives down a hole to the Stomach below on the basement level. After following her through that hole and talking a couple of times, Ruto will agree to go with Link, but he will have to carry her. Ruto is looking for the Spiritual Stone of Water. It is found in a room in the Stomach on the basement level, but the entrance can only be reached from a hole above. And the problem is that there's a large, slimy tendril blocking that hole. Players must return to the first floor and go to the tail of Jabu Jabu. It splits into five branching paths. A number of the paths are blocked by slimy tendrils. A path to the left can be entered, but players won't be able to defeat the enemy inside without the dungeon item. This forces players to the right, where they must press a floor switch that requires the combined weight of both Link and Ruto to open a valve. It leads to a room which contains stingray enemies, which must be defeated to reveal a chest containing the dungeon item. The boomerang. With the boomerang in hand, players can start clearing out those slimy tendrils. We head to that previous room on the left and use the boomerang to defeat the red tentacle enemy that hangs from the ceiling. Its weak spot can only be hit with the boomerang. Once hit, the tentacle will retract into the ceiling, and then it will only descend when Link moves into striking range. Destroying the tentacle clears out a slimy tendril of the same color. Players can then enter two doors. One on the center left contains the compass. This room's interesting to me because it contains a timed challenge. Upon entering, a 40 second timer appears on screen and players must defeat all bubble enemies inside before the timer runs out. This is the first time in the series that I can recall an explicitly timed challenge like this. There have been rooms that have had falling floors or even platforms that have only stayed raised temporarily forcing the players to move quickly. But this is the first time I can actually recall a timer appearing on screen to mark the start of the challenge. And the timer is triggered simply by entering the room. The room on the center right contains a blue tentacle Defeating a tentacle in this room clears a slimy tendril from the central room of the forking path. That room contains a green tentacle, which clears the slimy tendril, which blocks the hole to the stomach. Dropping down that hole back to the basement level allows players to enter a room containing the spiritual stone. But when Ruto grabs it, she's raised up on an elevator to the room above, while the mini boss rides back down the elevator to the room below. This mini boss is a giant octora and the fight is a 3D reimagining of the Q-Ball mini-boss from Link's Awakening. The central pillar, or elevator, is lined with spikes. The boss circles around the room. Players can move quickly in the opposite direction to get behind the boss and land blows. However, they can also use the boomerang to stun it, making it easier to land a hit. Once the mini-boss falls, we can ride the elevator up and make our way to the boss room. Players will have to use the boomerang to stun some fleshy platforms, which violently shake when leak gets near. Players will also have to use a box to depress a floor switch to advance towards the boss. The final puzzle before entering seems players throwing the boomerang around a transparent barrier to hit a ceiling switch, opening the door. The boss here is Baronade. It's described in-game as a bioelectric anemone. Players must use the boomerang to slice three tentacles, which attach Baronade to the ceiling. It will then start moving around the arena with electric jellyfish swirling around it. Players must use the boomerang to destroy the jellyfish and to stun baronade in order to land hits with the sword. Once baronade falls, players are awarded a heart container. Ruto is standing inside the portal used to exit the dungeon. Once outside, she gives Link the spiritual stone as an engagement gift. Link doesn't understand what's going on, but he accepts the stone all the same. Now it's time to return to Princess Zelda. We'll do that next week. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, please consider subscribing. To everyone who's already subscribed, thank you. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening.